Welcome to Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle. I feel very old. Old enough <laughs> that uh, maybe these uh, people in this film could have been my grandkids. Pal. Wow. And I'm the machine. I don't, don't think that is true, but okay. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Eighth Grade. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Yeah, uh, one more week of eighth grade, huh? Huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? I will say that in Canada, it is known as grade eight. Is that different? It's no, I'm just joking. Okay, okay. For whatever well, reason, uh, for, for those of you who don't understand the joke I just made, which is so hilarious. I mean, I was so well conceived. Yeah. Uh, as you heard, this is a weird, this is a weird um, vocabulary tick that Canadians Cork? have. Okay. Yeah, because I don't think it happens anywhere else where we f where we say grade eight and Americans will say eighth grade. It is actually a very different, like, it's okay. that's just how we talk. Okay. But what about the uh, country where English was born? Because God knows Amer no, America. No, because they call it not... year. So they're oh, in year right. one, year, year one. two, year right. three. So they don't even call it grades. I mean, they say math. Over in the UK. So they're not correct. They, they do say, yeah. they pluralize math. I, yeah. I got my, I read my letters in universe, whatever they say. Yeah. But I will, I, you know, I will say this. Uh, America should not be the source of correct English understand no no not enough use in their words for my liking <laughs> who's well, racist now i still am people come to us to hear about us uh, talk about weird vocabulary ticks but they also come and listen to this show because of our deep and rich fiction that we provide each and i'm every so week. lost i don't even know well Dave, yeah. we're taking a break here this week okay good because right? yeah, this week it. yeah this week we're just taking class photos so it's me you, the machine. We had to get our photos taken. So, of course, I didn't get my uh, haircut. Do you yet. want this classic? Yeah. Do you want this like weird, like cosmos background, or are you more of like a flat color? What, what do you want? No, as I like your background? the uh, the texture. I like the texture. The uh, faux mural print. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I brought my polyester child suit. So that's perfect. I'm ready to be lit on fire. It's, it's great that you also have those adult braces as well. So <laughs> the best. The best class photo joke of all time is the Calvin and Hobbes strip where he makes the uh, different faces. Fucking oh, yeah. genius. Genius. <laughs> that uh, Bill Watterson was a genius. So, uh, by the like way. Like Agatha Christie refused to sell out and that's mm -hmm. why he's chilling 
and we didn't get a Calvin and Hobbes. He's still alive. I mean, yeah. a thousand percent. Like the week after he passes away, there's going to be like oh, movie rights movies sold and all and, like, shit. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's what Bill, I think, would have wanted in his old age. That's exactly <laughs> what his kids are going to say. <laughs> I run into you, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. You know, who he's, gives a he's, shit? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's anyway, fine. so we'll 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 by the end of this week's episode, we will. Have written a Calvin and Hobbes script so that we can get rich in the next 25 years. There's a few things that we need to just do here as well at the beginning. The first is something that I've forgotten to do the last couple of weeks. And there is an email that was sent in to us that I wanted to read out here for you, Dave, because you haven't actually read this yet. This is sent in by Austin because he's a new listener. Great. And is listening to our back catalog. Oh, no. uh, Which is very nice. (laughs) Which which episode specifically? Because we've stirred some we're con- talking about controls. Vice. We're oh, talking about Vice, Vice this year. Okay, so not back back catalog. Okay, got it. No, but still older episodes. Yeah. So he writes in and says, "Vice has been one of actually sorry." He says, "Hi, Kyle and Dave." Ooh, I would have liked to come first. My, just putting that yeah. out there, but for next time, Austin. Vice has been one of my favorite episodes so far because one, Why? I agree with so much of what you were saying. So that's a good start. <laughs> and two, you were able to articulate what was wrong with the movie in places where I didn't have the energy to think about it. <laughs> He's just exhausted. He's like, what is this shit? My disappointment is that I think it had the juice to be a really great movie if it was more focused. Mm. And personally, I really wish they went with a more serious version where they told it from his perspective, almost putting us in his head and making us sympathize with him before ripping the rug out from underneath our feet. We don't have to like the protagonist to be fascinated by their actions. My absolute favorite comment was when you questioned who the film was made for. It's only geared towards people who are already aligned with Adam McKay. And it's only going to aggravate Farmer Joe. For everyone in the middle, it's just confusing. Overall, McKay's new era has been interesting and perhaps worth a shot, but it feels like he's more interested in creating his own style than making a good movie. Yeah. So Nice. Agree. You know, I was thinking about is uh, how money and fame corrupt people. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's weird, huh? It's weird. It's like this axiom almost. But uh, Adam McKay, I was, yeah, watching some, well, we talked about this, some Will Ferrell classics, mm-hmm. and they're hilarious. And now he... Uh, Believes he can fix the world one shitty overlong film at a time. So, well, I mean, you only have to look. I mean, I don't necessarily want to step into this political hot potato, but uh, <laughs> well, we had the meat, so we might as well. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that, like, the, that was the pushback that happened here in this past week with um, those devastating fires that happened in Hawaii, and then Oprah oh, yeah. and The Rock came together and was like, "Give us money, and we can help out." Oh, Hawaii. really? I I was not part of that. Anyways, people pushed back and was like. You were both billionaires. Yeah, yeah. What are you asking us for money yeah. for? Send <laughs> like, your own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's like maybe some dubious ways that that money was being used. And well, it, it's, et cetera, this is et how you become a billionaire. You don't get yeah. a billionaire because you spend your money. Well, that's exactly right. And and then there was the blowback to the blowback, which was like, well, at least they're trying something and trying to do good things. But anyways, uh, all I'm saying is like, are they? if you have so much money, it's like you could like build, rebuild all these houses yourself. Like you don't even need anyone else to step in. Or <laughs> really. at least, yeah, or jumpstart it or do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, modern American construction, it's probably going to cost billions of dollars to rebuild Mm -hmm. Hawaii. Also, there's that conspiracy theory that it might have been somewhat allowed to happen because they needed to clear out old Lahaina 
to create a better tourist right. spot. You know, those classic conspiracy theories. So maybe that's why they need the money. Maybe Oprah and The Rock started the fire, Kyle. <laughs> Billy Joel gets wheeled out. We definitely started the fire. <laughs> wheeled out. Is he alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. I thought you were talking about a casket. Because I'm a white man. Um, still unironically love Billy Joel. So... <laughs> That's my cross to bear. Yeah, all the the gags about uh, later Billy Joel refusing to acknowledge. Well, yeah, later early. Billy Joel maybe not so much, but his classic period. I'm I'm a big fan. Classic of. period. I like it. <laughs> I feel like we're talking about the opera <laughs> in the classical yeah, era. His early, his early middle period was <laughs> uh, really where he, the real meat of his creativity was. Double meat. Um, hungry. The yeah. other thing we have to do before we actually start talking about this week's movie. This is a very special episode. Do you know why, Dave? No, of course not. This is episode number 200. Klaxon. <laughs> 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 uh, great. That, we are long in the tooth. We are long in the that's tooth. Right. Yeah, 200. That's, fuck, that's a that's long so time. Many. <laughs> that's so many. So many episodes of us just jabbering about nothing. <laughs> shit. Well, you know, I feel like I understand movies good now. Mm-hmm. It's like 300 hours, probably, <laughs> well, roughly, of content that we've made. Off mic, never mind the content. Kyle and I have had a few words about how much yeah. energy we've been putting into watching these films. Because mm-hmm. there's so many other films to watch, right? We're putting this on sure. top of being movie losers yeah. as well. Hey, we both watched uh, the same movie this week yeah. without even talking Theater about camp. it. Theater Camp. Theater Camp. Yeah. That's right. It was fun. I had this... <laughs> So the the kid from Minari is in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, as, the agent uh, as the agent. Fucking hilarious. So oh my funny. God. And I thought it's like this feels like your son in a three piece suit, <laughs> yeah. just being very like <laughs> very serious. The reason he's funny is that he plays it so serious. So straight. It's so funny. Oh yeah. man, I um. There were moments where we, I in my mind, I questioned whether Emerson should be watching with us, but he was fucking cackling. It was great. Yeah, yeah the movie's <laughs> hilarious. There's also some jokes that are very niche that unless you know some theater history it's like i can't imagine anyone knowing why that's funny but it's a great time were you there are moments where it's yeah quite lol-y there's some criticism i have in that i think it forgets that it's a fake documentary at some yeah. points where it's, it's just, not perfect where it's, just, it's not perfect i know i'm just saying that the other thing that i don't know that maybe it's unfair to criticize this movie but having watched a lot of these types of mm. like either theater camp or community theater type films like there's waiting for government there's another one called camp that came out i don't know 15 years ago with anna kendrick and etc etc i just wish there was more to it than like aren't theater people weird like i feel that there's more to mine than just that Uh, yeah but is there it's true but i'm saying like (laughs) there's more to it than that is there (laughs) i can't get a higher pitch than that i'm getting old Mm -hmm. is there i'm glad who streamed it but this movie couldn't have had a theatrical release, but it's too bad because this is it actually did. a it well- had a very small theatrical oh, it? release. It has, yeah. a good, uh, has good writing in it, whereas some mm-hmm. of the things we see that make a billion dollars do not. Yeah. And, oh, uh, that was the thing. This is one of the very, very few movies where I think it should be slightly longer. Mm. Like, that's my criticism. I think it just needed to flesh out some of the characters more. Yeah. Because there's something the very short shrifted at the end, I yeah, think. Yeah. There's like, how is this all working together? The musical's fucking hilarious at the end. Who? The musical, genius. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, spoiler alert, huge, huge spoiler alert for the ending it's of It's true, Theater this is pretty Camp. fresh, so we have to be careful. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that they're in the wrong hospital room. I think that's such a funny, <laughs> funny joke. Just beep this part out. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, anyways, we're, as usual, way off course, but uh, right. that's a good one. Well, let's get talking about what we're supposed to be talking about here. Dave, we should do some backstory here about the movie we're talking about. And I, I think was the- in eighth grade once, yes. You were in eighth grade yeah. once. In the... What was your, what was yeah. your eighth grade experience? Eighth grade is when things started to turn turned for the worse for me i almost got expelled twice Mm. and uh yeah i was having some behavioral issues i was in a enriched class kyle so supposed to be one of the that is well in ontario you test when you're in grade three to see if you're smart and they Mm. put you in these streamed extracurricular classes that you get more advanced and tailored school experiences so by seven and eight, I actually got transferred to a different school. I was bused to a different school with a bunch of people who are allegedly more intelligent, but we were all fucking mm-hmm. crazy. And then I lost my mind and, and did some bad things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like armed robbery. Well, I keyed a teacher's car <laughs> oh, uh, in the parking lot. And then I uh, assaulted a girl in a school play. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, All right. not like with my hands, but I thought it'd be funny. We we're doing Wizard of Oz, and I was supposed to be one of the trees that yeah, would yeah. wrap something you, in my paper mache apple. Apples at them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was uh, a hard object, and mm-hmm. then I should have been expelled. But I think because we're supposed to be the smart kids for some reason, there was a long leash. God knows uh, if I was in a regular class, I probably would have been expelled that year. But, yeah, uh, booted out of there. I'm still hoping you'll be expelled from this podcast. My eighth experience was me slowly. I mean, I was such a anxious and nervous kid. Not that I'm not a nervous and anxious adult, say. but I'm just saying it was even more so pronounced. Ironically, uh, Pal's an excellent moderator. Like he's good in front of people. But then, yes. he, then he like crawls up in a fetal position afterwards, allegedly. I haven't seen it yet, but I imagine it'd be well, pretty funny because you're not small, quite a large no, it's fetal like, space. Yeah. I truly did not talk to people unless they directly asked me a question. Well, we're going to talk about like, it for this was, movie. There's a reason why I think you like this movie so much. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I, I want to get into that even more so because I do identify a lot with like yes. the, the lead actress. Yeah. But I, what I was leading up to is that I guess there was a slight me trying to figure things out i didn't really figure myself out until i think my mid-20s and i'm still struggling with it but like there was this very infamous grade 8 band trip that i went on to ottawa we were that good that we got sent over to ottawa to perform at like the national competition kiwanis well the the coins festival was where we started and won that and then we went off to whatever whatever the nationals is called and then uh, yeah Anyway, so that was, it was just a formative trip because, you know, I was away from parents. It was like, I was only around with my peer group a little bit. And so I was able to like lean into my personality a little bit. It was the first time that people were like, wait a second, Kyle Marshall tells jokes. He like, (laughs) where did you come from? (laughs) He's sarcastic. (laughs) Like it was literally this like huge revelation for 99% of the people on that trip. That you weren't mute. That's a big trip too, coming from Berta to uh, ottawa that's pretty sure that was my first time on a plane i was gonna say must have flown the bus trip would have been too long so that's pretty exciting were you Mm. already uh six foot four because that would have been exhausting to give me that no in grade eight though i probably would have been i was still the tallest kid in the class i don't know i probably would have been just under six feet though like i was sick i I shot up pretty quickly and was like six foot three by grade nine i know that right as my, as my mother said, she loved coming to pick me up from school because she could always find me. <laughs> There's, she just looked uh, across the, uh, at the touch of heads. I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the other thing is then like the, the largest creative force 
behind this film is Bo Burnham. What is oh, your relationship with Bo Burnham? Not much. I saw his uh, COVID uh, special on mm -hmm. Netflix and I thought it was Inside. funny. Sure. Uh, I had a good chuckle and uh, I know from that he's probably a very sad person. And uh, I think you and I talked maybe on a podcast afterwards and it turns out he's a YouTube guy, but no. I don't know. Ah. Ah. That's, a, I mean, I am a Bo Burnham stan, I guess is the easiest way to to put it. Like I remember him becoming famous from his early YouTube videos when he was a teenager back in 2006. Like I watched his first videos that he ever uploaded onto the website. He was like 12. I was funny. He's Biebering. He's not that old. No. Well, he's seven years younger than I am. Yeah. I think it's, so in 2006, he was like a little kid. That's what I mean. Like oh, he was okay. 14 or something okay, okay, when he was okay. uploading that. No, I'm just trying to get the timeline. I mean, the, the, the shtick was that he was a geeky, skinny teenager doing essentially offensive sense. comedy oh, like that's, okay. that was the whole thing okay right started doing stand-up i follow his career started showing up in movies i am like the one of five people who watched his very short-lived mtv tv show <laughs> what he had a tv show on mtv yeah it was it was scripted it was a scripted okay. tv show okay um Zach Stone wants to be famous, I think is, if I remember correctly. Sure. It lasted five episodes, Dave. Like, okay. I'm talking so like nobody good. watched. Okay. okay. Nobody watched this show. Like, did you think it was good or did you agree? I thought it was funny. But again, it gets, I thought it was fu really funny. Again, I haven't watched it since it aired, so maybe it isn't. Yeah. But it had, it was very much. Odd. The product of someone who's very online. <laughs> like okay, was, okay. If you didn't know those jokes, if you didn't understand what they were talking about, people weren't ready. There was no in, okay. I don't think, for people. I've followed his stand up. I've seen every one of his stand up specials. Um, he has more than. I do. Okay. He's three, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen him alive when oh, he was wow. here in Calgary. So, like, wow. <laughs> I have followed him Fan. a lot. He wears a human mask in the shape of Bo Burnham. Nice. That's right. I have his skin. <laughs> uh, no, Jesus. I, uh, there's a, and he is kind of known as, uh, not necessarily doing just stand up. It's really like one man shows that he mm, does, okay. which, uh, very much the that film I saw. Yeah. Okay. So I was excited to see this. Um, I was still going to VidCon at this time. Back oh, that's in the YouTube one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The YouTube convention that happens down in Anaheim. And so there was, a panel with Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher, who is the star of this movie, oh. that took place there. So I went and watched them talk about this very movie. Oh, cool. And that's when I learned that Bo Burnham is even taller than me. So oh, really? He's he a very tall man. So you didn't even notice that when you were watching him live? Or did you watch him live afterwards? I don't know. I can't remember the timeline. But on stage, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's hard to tell. But he walked like right past me when I was like standing And you actually were like looking up. I was like, holy shit. So he's like 6'5", maybe? Is that maybe? the only like time you've ever looked up when someone walked no, by you? No, there's, there's been a couple of times, My but brother's it's not friend's very common. 6'7", and he... I've only met him a few times, and he scares the shit out of me. Because he's not a thin 6'7", he's a yeah. he's pretty well, he, big dude. He does grind people's bones to make his <laughs> bread, so I mean, he's kind of a scary man. I uh, was working at a restaurant in the uh, 2000s, early 2000s, and Antonio Davis, who's a Toronto Raptor at the time, came to eat. And uh, mm -hmm. he's, he was a small force. I think he was only 6'9 or something. And it was quite frightening because those guys are big too, right? It's like all muscles. Yes. And he sat in our center booth and he just takes up the whole fucking space. <laughs> There's some large human beings out there. Yeah. yeah. When I was still working for Apple, one of, I don't know his name because I don't watch it, but there was a CFL player oh, that came in. These guys are big. Jesus. Like, yeah, like there's. 
you know, six three, as wide as they are tall, but yeah. all muscle. And it's like you are scary. Yeah. Nicest like person I've ever dealt with, probably, but he was very scary and imposing. Well, when you're imposing, you can afford to be nice. Unlike us <laughs> little people. <laughs> At the script. So anyways, this is all to say that I'm a big fan of Bo Burnham. Yeah. I, just like him, have to reckon with the fact that his early stuff really does not hold up. Like if you Okay. Put any type of scrutiny it's like this is kind of the racist, misogynistic, sure. homophobic. He was trying to do it for shock value, and he doesn't really do that stuff anymore, mm-hmm. but you have to acknowledge that that is what he started doing. I don't know. People spend too much time trying to hang past decisions on people's necks. I also want to point out, I mean, I don't want to hide behind this too much, but he was also 14 years old. Anyways, so to, <laughs> to, to continue on, I was excited for this movie. I went and saw this movie in the theaters. It was one of the few movies I went and watched in a theater in 2018. I have to say, I was... N- I was not expecting it to be this tone mm. <laughs> inside the movie because his comedy is a little bit wacky and more offbeat, abstract. Yeah, yeah. more abstract. And so I was kind of envisioning that that's what his visual style would be within yeah. this movie. And it really isn't. It no. is very much a very sedate fly yeah. on the wall, yeah. let the scenes play out. But I ended up really, really enjoying it. I was mm. hoping that it might have, I wasn't more holding presence. my breath for like a best picture nomination or anything, but wow. like maybe best like original screenplay, maybe a best actress nomination. I don't know. I You're thought maybe you'd... Oscars for this film, eh? I was. I mean, it did really well in a lot of the critics' sure, awards. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. This is that kind of film. Sure. And uh, a Golden Globe nomination it got too. So, but anyways, I thought, I thought it had an outside chance. But again, this was the year. Of Green Book. So, I mean, come on. Green Book and Venom. The spectrum is crazy, right? 2018 has been exhausting. Yeah, exhausting. Do you recall ever even hearing about this movie before now? Yes, but I think when this came out, I was conflating it with a darker one. Is it called 16? There's one about... It's not girls. Is it drugs or suicide pact? I can't remember. There's one that came out a couple Are you years. The before. Edge of Seventeen. Maybe Edge of Seventeen. I don't know. Yeah. There's a couple of movies that were approaching not similar. As I learned, not similar content, but have that mm-hmm. uh, kind of a poster. Because I didn't watch any oh, of them. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a young woman, and you start questioning like what type of uh, narrative. Because I, I don't know. I don't really want to watch too much. Uh, dark dark stuff but other than that i didn't really pay attention to this so i've seen the poster i uh, have name recognition but i think i mix it up so when we i turned this on i was expecting a completely different film Uh, can i also say just as a quick aside i have discovered this week i have no idea how to spell the word eighth it is such a dumb (laughs) word to try (laughs) and spell properly it is e-i-g-h-t-h is what it is eight with an h but no, there's a there's two different spellings you can do for what? it because there's the American spelling and then there's a which is it, there's like an extra letter that they put in somewhere <laughs> that throws me off. Yeah, it breaks my brain because like shouldn't be two H's that close together in an English <laughs> word. Just like it just it can't make it work. English just can't doesn't make, make any sense. I'm learning Korean. Korean doesn't make any sense too. They're like hidden consonants that only are pronounced when they're attached to a certain type of syllable. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there, there's some some places spell it E-I-G-T-H, okay? So that's how some, I don't know if that's the UK yeah. spelling, the Canadian spelling or E-I-G-H-T-H. whatever. E-I-G-H-T-H. Oh, no, no, wait, no. no. E-I-G-T-H. That is how some places oh, actually spell eight. Okay, without the H, without so, the first some H. some eight with an H at the end. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, then okay. this confuses so me. So now you're making, now you're putting, now you're putting it in my head. And now I'm mm-hmm. going to be stressed out when Emerson's <laughs> in the eighth grade. 
and be like, I can't spell it. Just do eight TH. That's all you have to do. That's probably why the British were like, year eight, whatever. That's whatever. We're still, we'll call them all years. I can't handle it anymore. I feel like an eighth of my life just disappeared while listening to that. Let's take a small break. We'll listen to the second half of the trailer. And when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about eighth grade. So growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. Don't hold back. I wanna break free. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel. Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little bit. I'm gonna stop eating with you if you keep doing You said I can say one thing. I'm really, like, nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way. But you just need to face your fears and let people know the real you. Just grab my phone, how to charge it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I charge it too. But my, my phone, I... Just because things are happening right now doesn't mean they're always gonna happen. Who was in there? Just sort of my hopes and dreams. Right. All right, Dave, we are back. We should probably come up with a scenario. So let's say that you, it's in the future. It's the future. And you're dropping your child off for his first day. Uh, the robot would grade. do that, obviously. But mm -hmm. yeah, keep going with your fake future where human beings yeah. still do things. Ugh. And then uh, one of the other, like one of the other moms comes up to you. Huge face of like just perfect white teeth. <laughs> Huge face. <laughs> okay, yeah. A very large faced woman. Uh, large faced woman. <laughs> Think of like the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. It's like just a gigantic face. So and after she's I like, backed away about six feet, yes. Yeah. And she's like, Are you supposed to be here? No. And then she says, She thrusts the DVD copy of Eighth Grade that normally at you. Normally long like, arms, yes. What is this? What is this movie about? Yeah. What is this movie about? This is a film that follows a young, nerdy, not nerd, she's a nerd, a young, awkward nerd, girl. Yeah in eighth grade uh trying to discover who she really is i don't know it's a coming yeah. of age story sure coming of age story i mean also known as kyle's catnip oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. um of course how many times you, can you come of age um apparently a lot <laughs> um so apparently you fucking hate this movie no. so go on about why you hate no we this. should yeah I, I meant to uh i meant to reference lucia and just say i didn't hate this movie because uh, she mm -hmm. seemed to be worried that was going to be a huge asshole about it no i didn't hate it i think i think it's well made i had genuine moments of laughing and terror right there's a quite a dark turn in the middle or there is a, a, a I'm, I, okay i'm just gonna say it right now because i don't want to wait there is a scene that happens in the back Oof. of a car oh, in this movie God. i think is more terrifying than most horror films yeah. of the life i was the last curled 10 up years. on my couch and i was like please this please fucking, please yeah <laughs> We, we joked about that scene in Under the Silver Lake where he punches out kids. Like, uh, I would punch this kid out. Like, I just was so angry at this stupid teenager. Oh, I mean, that that is a thing. But yeah. I was like, please don't do the next thing. Please. And then, you know, we got we got a little bit of release. And that whole thing is scripted so well, like how she keeps apologizing. It's like, not mm -hmm. even, he's not, I mean, he's gaslighting her, but she's like gaslighting herself at the same time. Yeah. So that's well written. But you know, what? I, I think the two things that, uh, three things. Number one, I fucking hated the music in this. Uh, okay. I think it was exa exhausting. Um, I'm sure it's so interesting. It, but just this There's like, like, fuck that, right. you know, synth garbage. I love synth music from the 80s. 
but uh, this like uh, not GarageBand. What did they use now? Uh, Pro Tools or whatever. Yeah. Or you just click. I, the ha- I have to you. say because I see a lot of people write about the music in this movie. Yeah. Both times I've watched it, I don't even notice there's music oh. in it. So I don't. I don't know what it is about me that just doesn't even pick up that there's music happening. Uh, second problem uh, from a uh, lived experience is that uh, I'm not part of the selfie YouTube generation. So I sure. do like that this is an interpretation of the Dear Diary using the mm-hmm. YouTube mechanism. But all of these little things like surfing and getting upset, breaking your screen and like that influence the culture, we all know it exists, but I can't identify with it as, a, as my child person. And the third thing is like, I wasn't a shy kid and I wasn't like the too cool for school. I was like somewhere in the middle, very weird. So I've seen these narratives before, but they don't capture me the way apparently it captures you. So this is not something where I'm like, oh my God, I get it. It's more like, yeah, these people exist. Kyle, you exist. And uh, I appreciate I empathize with you, sympathize, whatever, but it doesn't grab me the way I think it's designed to grab people who experience this. I was talking to, I guess, my boss, and he was talking about how there's something called millennial social anxiety. Like, it's a whole generation of people that have trouble communicating with other people. Like, they're scared. He's like, oh, when we hire millennials, they're so scared of emailing and cold calling people. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, if you want me to cold call someone, I'll cold call someone. Like, I can have my own anxieties, but so that's, you know, those are the three things that I was uh, aware of watching it. Uh, but it's great. It's well written. It's well acted. The the girl is amazing. Yeah, she's she fantastic. is phenomenal. I yeah. think in this movie, I th- I think one of the big things that this does so well and does so smartly is that this is one of the very few films that feature kids that actually cast actual kids. Yeah. In the roles, all of them are actually from the eighth grade. All the main like speaking roles, those are actual eighth grade students. That the can that you imagine this is made in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it blow our minds. It's like, what? A teenager that looks like a teenager? <laughs> Teenagers Skin like blemishes? The first Power Rangers, one of the Power Rangers was like 40 years old. Yeah, go, go back to Greece. <laughs> like, Stockard Channing is 33 in that movie. Like, it's like crazy. Similarly, you both are played by actors in their 60s. You've hit the nail on the head. And then I think I do identify with the main character quite a bit. I totally, 1000% understand what it's like. To feel so completely anxious to, you know, engage in a conversation, being put into a party situation is like, I don't really want to be here, yeah. but I have to try and impress these people. That innate like desire to be liked and to be popular is something that I've struggled with my entire life. Well, I think all people do in a way, but yes, yes. But in, sure, this, but yeah, just, in this language, yes. But there's, yeah. There is some people who are like... I don't know. I went to school. We're like, whatever. I don't fucking care about popularity. Although people are posers, you know, you know, that type of philosophy. Mm. I feel that that's the two directions people go. It's like, no, I absolutely want to be like validated. And the other side of uh, being like, I push away anything that's popular and I'm going to be my own thing. Mm -hmm. I will also say, I don't want to derail this conversation too much because I don't actually think that that's what this movie is directly confronting. But I am reading this book called The Velvet rage the velvet rage and it's all about growing up as a gay man and what that does to you title yeah 
psychosomatically type okay. of thing. And that I, I'm in only literally like, I guess, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. It's, it's a recent book that was written. Well, I just mean like uh, growing up has so many different, uh, not to be a book critique, but I, I'd be interested to say that it's not a uniform experience. No, and th that's actually my small critique of the first four chapters I've read. But one thing that actually does make a whole lot of sense is that at this time of our culture, if you're going to look at like a, a giant, like um, overarching umbrella way to psychoanalyze gay men specifically, it's that, that you're also, you're simultaneously trying to hide part of yourself while also trying to get validation. Mm. And the only validation that you're able to get when you're growing up and if you're closeted, this is kind of like the asterisk you have to put next to this. Yeah. If you're closeted, the only validation you get is for when you pretend not to be who you truly are. So then when you eventually do come out and are trying to get validated, you take any validation you possibly can get uh -huh. from that, which sometimes leads you down into like you know, Extreme. drugs, alcohol, yeah, yeah. destroy, yeah. destroying things. Anyways, yeah. I only bring that up because there is a, a little sense of, <laughs> of that feeling. I think that's part of my journey. Mm. Uh, and in this journey, I think you can kind of see that, that especially when that high school student gives her that one olive branch to be a friend. Oh, yeah. the, the, the sad part is that she doesn't have any friends yeah. and she just latches onto that as fast as she possibly can. I had that in essentially seventh grade for me because oh. I just... My my one kind of friend that I had moved away in like grade five. I really didn't have anyone close to me. It was a very lonely experience going to school. So the first time someone said like, do you want to be friends? Like, yes, I do. And I like really overcompensated and was like way too much, yeah. way too quickly yeah. uh, sort of thing. So I totally get that that impulse on her part of like, I need to grab this or else I'm, it's not coming back again. Mm. And then the social media part of it is actually, I think, fascinating one, because I, do, I, I can't say how true it is now. Definitely in 2018, Instagram was how people were communicating. They yeah. weren't even doing it by text, really. They were all, it was all through DMs. Instagram yeah, yeah. and doing DMs. And the part that, like, I don't have a lived experience with this necessarily, but that feeling of, you know, school following you home, mm. <laughs> you know, being able to connect that quickly with other people that, especially for women, having that um that fear of having to like share like nudes or parts of oh, yourself yeah, yeah. that maybe you're yeah. not ready to do as of yet as a parent i don't even know how i would even figure that stuff out and talk to my kid about that and like try and be as supportive as i possibly can mm -hmm. and i think that's also doubled with the with her trying to do youtube videos again something i have a lot of experience with having you know made youtube videos for 10 years what it gets absolutely right is being super upbeat and talking to the camera and then pushing stop and being in complete silence. Mm. <laughs> and it's just you there by yourself. I thought they captured that loneliness so, so well. Your desperate need for connection of some kind, but really it's just you there by yourself. I think Bo Burnham understands how all this sure, works. Sure. I think it's such an interesting narrative to put it into like a teenage girl's life experience. I also think it's important that it is eighth grade in that at least for me, grade nine was high school. Yeah. So that's when you're like leaving middle school and going into a high school setting. Yeah. I know that's not true for, for everywhere. No, Calgary but for most you go places, to switch it in grade 10. But yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, I think I think that the way this frames it, I mean, the, I have some subtle criticisms. This is not a five out of five movie for me, although it is in my top five favorite films of 2018. Spoiler I alert. I wish there was a little bit more with the dad put into this. I think that he's an important figure in this. Mm -hmm. I just wish there was maybe a couple more scenes with that. I think there is a criticism you can place on this too, that 
as much as this is like a fly on the wall, like experience this time, there isn't necessarily like really a, a narrative that we're following in this movie. It's just a, like a series of events that happen. Mm. It's not a huge thing that bothers me, but I think that would maybe make this even better for me, at least where there was like a very strong, like beginning, middle and end mm. that we're going through mm. because I feel like it kind of just ends <laughs> rather than yes. there being like a really rousing conclusion. But those are like minor nitpicks for a movie that I quite like. So. Do you think that's a reflection of the sort of post-internet culture that people are now even experiencing and communicating in these little almost sound bites? You know, that mm-hmm. there isn't this overarching sense, especially young people. I mean, you know, even when I was young, as much as I could proclaim that I had read something, understand how the world works, you know, when you're growing up in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, before the internet exists on the uh, as the as the main medium you still have to like read an entire book to understand a story or watch a film from beginning to end but now a lot of people even watch vignettes or youtube uh, summaries of films they don't even watch the oh, film sure. themselves right? Um, right so like i wonder if that's part of how bo burnham thinks of narratives because there is a loose like it follows two uh, two weeks or three weeks of I think a it's girl's supposed life. To be one week is actually oh, how okay. long this is supposed to be so like there's a there's a space of time yeah i don't remember how the film opens with yeah i think it was a week i think you're right and so like maybe a young person experiences that as little events as opposed to having a story but i don't know yeah I, again the language of the film to me was it's like i was on the outside i was like watching like a fishbowl mm-hmm. and i was like oh this is how kids are these days <laughs> yeah yeah i did have a lot of uh, parental anxiety you know like uh oh sure you know you're watching it and i'm like oh wow i know it's changed even in the last five years but this is the world my son exists in so i need to pay a little bit more attention and i'm not surprised necessarily by the human nature aspects of it but mm-hmm. just that um the medium DMing and social media, that mm-hmm. shit, you know me, like, I fucking hate it in general. I, I use it, but it scares yeah. me as a 45-year-old man. I I don't like DMing people random. I certainly don't DM strangers. Uh, anybody who DMs me, I don't know. I just assume it's a crypto scam, uh, which I think is <laughs> well, fair. But yeah. There's that, but like, yeah, that, that anxiety of like liking a photo or being yeah. shown to like a photo. I mean, I, I know that, again, this is five years ago, so who knows how much it's changed but, but i know that there was people th- this is more in the in if you are an influencer but people who would upload a photo and if it doesn't get enough likes within that first like 30 minutes delete and do another down. photo and put uh, it up there um what's performative like who do you live for yeah who do you live for well, pal kyle who do you that, that, live that, for well <laughs> it's interesting that you ask that question dave because i think that is really what this movie is investigating mm. i saw a couple this is a very well-reviewed movie it was actually really hard to find negative reviews the couple that i found all pointed the same thing where they felt that by the end it's like well everything is going to be okay and it's like that that belies like the realism of the rest of the movie mm. and i kind of very much disagree with yeah. this feeling that everything is okay at the end of this movie yeah. i think she's made the first step to becoming okay yeah but like this she's is gonna still, take a while yeah she's still in a pretty dark place at the end of yeah. this film even like uh the message she leaves for her future self is mm-hmm. like it's like the one she i mean it's meant to i think if i i don't know if i'm giving bo burn too much credit but the parallel of the message she receives from her grade six or whatever grade five self yeah is the exact same thing it's like full of hope full of like uh, advice about how you ought to be living your life but that's not where she ended up in eighth grade so there's this no i i think the only difference mean is that there's this small recognition of like 
she says like and if it was really bad the last few years i'm uh, really sorry that that happened yeah yeah, yeah. she's I, at least she has the understanding that it could be she bad, learned one thing whereas her yeah. great her grade six or grade five self was like everything's gonna be great yeah. and i'm gonna put all this like fancy stuff inside this box but i should i should report something for myself now like well i think it's i think it's kind of fun if you're listening to this great you're still alive mm-hmm. I, I do think too that there is that investigation of toxic positivity in this movie yeah. a little bit because she is really trying to talk herself up in those uh, in those YouTube videos about you know this is what you do when you're trying to be like yeah, yeah. Um, trying something new and it's like she's saying the things she thinks that need to be said rather than actually talking from any type of lived experience. She has none, right? She's uh, right. What's grade eight, thirteen, twelve, something mm-hmm. like that, right? By the way, I wrote this down in my notes. You as a father. Yes. You need I, to promise me something. Okay. Because <laughs> wow. I have been in this situation before. Yeah. If your son ever phones you and says, Dad, I need you to come and get me right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't stay on the phone and be like, are you sure? Like, yeah. don't you want to have fun? But no, just come and get them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> There's yeah. something that's going on that they need to get out of. Although, to be fair, and this is not meant to credit the so-called dorky dad's uh, parenting decision yeah. in that moment or the stalking or any of that weird shit. You know, she does have her karaoke moment. Because it doesn't come, but they don't call it helicopter parenting anymore. That's one generation uh, ago. But what is the line? If we're going to talk about the dad, where is it supportive and where is it detracting? Because like, Mm -hmm. you know, Helen and I are trying to live somewhere in the middle. Like I still get upset and I can still be strict. I don't like the snowflake idea that everybody's special because people are special on a spiritual level, but not special on a commercial. Like, you know, you're going to, everybody's going to die. All of it goes away. It's not that important. And that might sound like dark or nihilistic, but I I find like value in that so you can stay in the moment and just enjoy dumb shit that you're doing. So I try to transfer that to Emerson, but there's part of it where it's kind of like, you need to fucking stick this out. Because <laughs> if I keep pulling well, you out is, of stuff, you're going to end part. up doing nothing. You're going to be lying on the floor with your fucking switch yeah, yeah. and doing nothing. That This is the, the hardest part because like, there's two things in my life. So I was in piano lessons for three years mm. uh, and I complained enough to my parents that were like, fine you can quit because you're just not enjoying this and then there was a second thing i was in 4-h and no one probably knows what that is he's listening to it basically i raised a calf from the time i was born to the time it had to go to market oh and through the year you do like community service and you go pick up garbage and it's called 4-h no that's what the cow was called no i called the cow something else oh what'd you call (laughs) it for 10 years so i had 10 different interesting oh oh, it's not one cow you're not attached to one cow you're raising every year you do you do it sorry i just i I was picturing you like with this calf and every year growing at the same time then one day you're like it goes to market in like six or seven months okay okay. so like oh because of all the right genetic engineering yep and so I was in that for 10 years. So, wow. you know, you do your community years. service, you do a public speech every single year. You have oh, to prepare wow. one and do it in front. So you do, do all the stuff. Well, it's... And that one I did complain, but they never let me quit it. Yeah. And now as an adult, I'm like, I'm actually really glad they didn't make me quit because yeah. it actually allowed me to be comfortable speaking in front of people because I had to do it every, You're very good every at single it. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm uh, mad that they let me quit piano because I really want to know how to play piano <laughs> in my adult years. But like, who who knows like I, I get as a parent like i can only stand you complaining for so long before it's like fine like let's just stop as a music guy and a guy who loves musicals i mm. will give you this thought that particularly 
because we're almost same generation, the way we were taught through the royal conservatory method of like mm -hmm. all of the structural things, I think it's very limiting. And I think it's yeah. too structural. And if you were, especially because you have music knowledge to go out and buy a little USB keyboard or something, if you, if you spend enough time with it, I suspect that you would like it now more than you would have appreciated it back then. Because if you do have that three years of thing, you'll understand how. Uh, I can still do my C scale. Yeah, yeah. I, you'll understand so. how some of that works. Yeah, I, that's a, it's a hard line, right? It's like, you know, I remember Helen and I had this discussion when Emerson was very young and she was like, if he doesn't want to do something, he's not going to have to do it. I'm like, uh, there needs to be a part where you have to kind of be an asshole at the beginning because they don't, nobody knows what they like, you know? Yeah. I, I actually see tough. this with my, my nephew. If he's not perfect at something, he stops doing it. Yeah. And he won't do it. And I'm like, why are we I, encouraging a, 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 that? A pang in me. Cause like, if you don't go through the sucky part, you can't actually become you, good at if it. If you don't so. suffer, you can't grow. And I tell Emerson yeah. that all the time. Like you gotta, you gotta hurt a bit and it sucks. Otherwise he's going to be this 40 year old person. Mm -hmm. who just lives a very monotone life and it's going to be depressing. But I think this movie's kind of, it's just to bring it back because we're, again, way off topic, but this movie's asking that question. I mean, yeah, she's out of her comfort zone a lot. Uh, so, you know, for her and good for Bo Burnham. And, well, uh, so yeah. a few other things, like this is a very much an, an American story. I think that should be sure. um, up front. Those active shooter drills Fucking are hell, so- dude fucking gross to Ugh. me but i mean i get that that's what they do bang, down there but bang, it's like, I you're can't dead bang, believe. you're dead jesus yeah. christ can you imagine growing up like that no i Ugh. can't actually Ugh. is it any wonder that american culture is just collapsing from the inside you were raising kids to be in perpetual fear and anxiety that you'll take a left turn around a corner and someone will be holding a gun to your chest it's well i think that that's maybe the sick. most terrifying thing to me is that that's not really what the kids experiences in that scene. It's like, whatever. Okay. We're doing this drill. Yeah, we get it. It's, it's like normalized. a fire drill. Yeah, it's like it's so normalized, normalized yeah. at this point that it's like, that's the scary part to me. Well, it's going to encourage people to go and commit these crimes too. Not to be one of these things like I can predict when people are going to go crazy, but it's that normalization mm -hmm. that blurs the line of what you ought not to do. Ugh, gun culture. Mm -hmm. Just fucking give it up. You know, you, uh, what are the confederate american gun potent fucking cultural assholes there's a reason why your country is shooting children and uh other countries generally are not america so the i'm gonna go through some of my notes here and then we'll do some backstory so oh one thing she does that i also do this is not um a unique thing apparently a lot of people with uh, social anxiety do this is rehearsing conversations before you have them oh. <laughs> She says that a couple of times. Anytime I go to like a networking thing or I know when there's a lot of people, uh -huh. literally on the drive over there, it's like, okay, I'm going to open with this. Oh. And they may say this. I'm going to do this. And then like try and like That's probably why you're a good moderator because uh, yeah. I don't do that. I talk to mm -hmm. myself a lot, but that's probably more a sign of uh, some form of psychosis. <laughs> going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I do get a lot of secondhand embarrassment watching this movie, which is part of like, I just get like so anxious even just watching this. I mean, there's that one point of like her in the pool oh, yeah. where the mother says like, okay, all the girls up here. And she like just stays where she is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, she said all girls go over there. And she's like, ah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I do want to just investigate a little bit more of that back seat scene, which yeah. is really played as like the most, um, I remember watching the first time. like, I don't know how far yeah. they're going to go with oh, this. Terrifying. Um, and I mean, when you're not watching the movie, it's easy to then be like, well, me as a connoisseur of films <laughs> knows that she is underage. So they actually couldn't 
film her doing much of anything oh. legally they can't do it that's where but your mind moment, went i'm not thinking oh, that yeah. i'm just like no. this is too scary i don't like where this is going yeah, yeah. <laughs> i need her to get out of this car like right now yeah but yeah, uh, it was but uh, such an easy way to flip into something that feels like fun at first and like this is going sideways real quickly yeah i that's what i liked is that the wrong word but i thought it was really mm. well structured you know you get little flags with his behavior at the mall but you know you don't yeah. think much about it because so many teenage boys can exhibit so many weird behaviors like we don't oh yeah grow our brains till our 20s yeah. so just like that boy that she has a crush on is like yeah. this fucking asshole yeah, like, I just, like he's such yeah. a dumb piece of shit yeah. like, <laughs> there's no redeemable up. part of his uh character but, stupid uh, swoopy hair like <laughs> flexing on instagram with his uh Oh God! With his non-muscles, yeah, sure. <laughs> now we're just being petty. You don't even we're have abs, bro. Like, yeah. just, honestly, he's probably a nice person. In of course, public. I have no idea. But he like, probably went to theater camp for fuck's sake. But yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, that scene. You know the, what I love about it? Uh, again, uh, I was terrified. I was balled up in a couch, but that feels so realistic. How it just teeters off mm -hmm. a cliff so quickly, and there is some planned predation, of course, on the part of the boy in it in the sure. writing of the character. But uh, her reaction to it is what I mean. She's great. She, this actress is fantastic. I don't know if she has a career afterwards. It might have been two. She does. Okay, yeah, good. she's actually done quite a few different things good, after good. this. Yeah, she's she's great in this, and her ability to and apparently actually just to tie this all the way back. Uh -huh. Her and the, that kid from Minarian in theater camp are doing a movie together as their next project. Oh, cute. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah and she'll be grown up-ish now. She'll be, yeah, late teens, early 20s mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like she's, uh, her ability to be both terrified, still have a line for herself, which I thought was great. I like that she says no. Yeah. yeah that she actually, yeah. Like even following up with stories and stuff is great. So then you get mm -hmm. this reflection that her dad did something right, because even mm -hmm. though she has the social anxiety, she still has, and you see that at the beginning, like he's really trying to prop her up. Like he does recognize there's something going wrong, but uh, his do her dweeby dad is a little off-putting. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is, I, that might have been Bo Burnham's experience with his parents. I don't know if he comes from a family with a single parent. I don't know anything about him, but it was, yeah, all of it. I do know he's much closer to his mother based on interviews. It's all textured listened, really so. well. And I do yeah. like uh, how intelligent it's put together. So that scene was great. I do like that they pulled the punch because I was, yeah, dude, with the, in the hands of a Hollywood writer, that could have been, become like a, parental revenge film like it was just mm -hmm. it was going that way i uh i didn't like it take my shirt off put your shirt back on you also don't have any abs you fucking little piece of shit yeah, like <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh yeah it, that scene was great this is a good this is a good movie i just yeah. uh yeah more temperate than you i'd like to throw you through some tempered glass well let me tell you this dave this has uh, been true for the last few movies we've talked about but this opened on january 19th 2018 at the sundance film festival mm -hmm. it would go wide on july 13th of 2018 so this was a uh, birthday movie for me apparently Ooh, another my birthday is july 11th but this would have been the closest <laughs> to my birthday. It is currently rated 3.8 on Letterboxd, has a 7.4 on IMDb, has an 87 on Metacritic and on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 99% from Holy 326 critics and 80 and 83% from 5,000 plus users. There is a DVD and Blu-ray release and you can rent this on either YouTube or iTunes. Its budget is $2 million. Its box office is worldwide is 
So it was a success for for a small independent film, which is this is uh, uh, yeah. this is the power of child labor, Kyle. You don't have to give them any money. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say that too. It's like for as many like speaking actors that are in this yeah. movie, two million is actually pretty small for what they got paid. It's plot description Here's a Big is Mac. And, yeah. <laughs> probably actually this plot description is an introverted teenage girl tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school disastrous is a little heavy she yeah maybe doing fine but okay she yeah. does burn the school down no i'm just kidding um <laughs> she does burn something though yeah. it's now time to play everyone's favorite game guess, guess, guess that, that tag, tag, tag. tag. <laughs> this is the time in the show where I don a handsome blazer, pick up the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use, and we play the game, guess that tag. So when you go to the movie theaters and see that long row of posters, it's that little piece of text that's on the posters, urging you to go and see this movie, has a little witticism of maybe of sorts. So Dave, I'm gonna give you three options. One of these is the true tagline to this movie. The other two, completely made up by me. So, was the tagline to this movie, OMG, was it, Based on the most awkward year of your life, or is it, don't forget to like and share? Uh, three? Don't forget to like and share, sure. that's your guess? Yeah. Incorrect. It is based on the most awkward year of your life. Okay. Is what the tagline to this Not movie is. Not a good is. one. Not yeah. a good tagline, no. I don't think. No. The stars Elsie Fisher as Kayla Day, Josh Hamilton as Mark Day, Jake Ryan as Gabe, and, De and Daniel Zolgardi as Riley. What's your what's your take on that Gabe character, the guy that she meets in the pool and then eventually has goes and oh, has like chicken nuggets? The with? one that might be on a spectrum or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was put in to help you not feel terrible about her life. Maybe I'm being deluded here. I don't actually see it as like a romantic thing they're doing at the end. It feels like more of a friend thing that they're doing. No, he's definitely romantically interested in her. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if it's reciprocated, but he's definitely in love with her. Yeah, it was, a, I thought that was awkward. It's definitely intentional, but I felt like it was a little bit of a, like, let's just make sure people don't leave the theater feeling like everything's going to go to shit. Let's give her a friend, right? Yeah, I guess it, maybe that's what I'm keen in on. I just wish there was maybe a touch more with him. Maybe. Yeah, just to learn a little maybe bit. Maybe just one more scene in the middle. Because yeah. we see him at the beginning and at the end, but nothing really yeah. uh, uh, else kind of do we like, see Especially carryover? to give him, like you can do a shorter scene with just a boy, but to mm. have someone with so much idiosyncrasy, like uh, what do you call it? Mm. Uh, no, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, so much character. Yeah. Yeah, you needed to thread him in a little bit earlier i mean we see that he's a little odd in the pool but sure that dinner scene was fucking uh he had some problems yeah he, yeah, he has some sure. issues yeah uh cinematography is by andrew weddy whose top four are this movie the map of tiny perfect things from 2021 sure the tv show night sky from 2022 Nothing. and your favorite tv show dave the bear Oh, is that what he also does? You know what? Now that you bring it up, the bear does have a similar texture, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. The girl so from the bear by... was in theater camp, and I didn't realize because she's so dramatic as the oh, right. new yeah, girlfriend yeah. of uh, Carmi, and she's mm -hmm. uh, fucking hilarious in theater camp. Okay, keep going, keep going. This is written and directed by Bo Burnham. So 
We should start with Bill Burnham, who becomes internet famous way back when. As with many of the early YouTube stars, he kind of becomes famous by accident. His older brother had left for college and he wanted an easy way to share these two videos with him that he'd made of these comedy songs he'd written. Now, from what I remember, he didn't actually originally upload to YouTube, but onto a different site. But when those videos began being shared around, he made a YouTube account, uploads them, uh, because it had the better video player and was way easier to share. But for some reason, that is still the case. I don't understand how YouTube still has the best and easiest way to share videos. You don't? <laughs> That's, it's I think, called uh, a monopoly. It's called they I buy I guess so. But you would think that another site would just be able to... No, they buy those. cool. Yeah. It's just one click and you can share this video and anyone can watch it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that People seems do somehow it. impossible. And then they eat them. That's just mm -hmm. how American corporate culture works. Regardless, the one that had the biggest amount of traction at that time was the song, My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay. Now that title should point to you the type of comedy that we're dealing with, taboo subjects sung by a very young, white, skinny nerd. That initial success is in the year 2006. That's crazy. So, by, that's, so that's very early YouTube. <laughs> by 2007, he'd released his first album, and then by 2009, he started doing stand-up. He's a beaver. All Cute. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's all before the time he turned 20. Then he meets Judd Apatow at the height of Apatow's influence, and he's cast in very, very bit parts in some of Apatow's projects. Hmm. Probably the one that might be most familiar with people is if you remember the movie Funny People. I was going to say, is there's this Funny People? Okay. There's a one moment where they turn and watch this like bad sitcom that's airing on TV called Yo Teach. And he's the star of Yo Teach. Oh, okay. I'm talking like he's in it for 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Adam McKay, Judd Apatow, bro. Just... Just have Just fun. Just cut out 30 minutes of your yeah, movie. Don't yeah. do the drama shit. You're not, you're not good at that. I, I will also say though, so he's in some of these Apatow projects and then his like tours that he's going on performing these songs start to get protesters showing up. Um, and in some cases banned from certain college campuses because of, again, the homophobia, racist comments that he makes in some Got of it. these songs. So this then all leads him to create intricate one-man shows rather than doing like the traditional stand-up. Uh, all the while, he's struggling with severe anxiety and having panic attacks, which is when he has the idea of this movie called Eighth Grade. He channels all the anxiety into this lead character. Because of his background, he was interested in how a generation who has never not known the internet deals with their own anxieties and are able to find their true selves. And then he begins searching for actual YouTube vloggers who were female teenagers. He wanted to know, like, what were they talking about? How did they talk so that he could write this script? He has said, this is an, a, an exact quote, that he specifically wanted the protagonist to be female because the boys talk about Minecraft and the girls talk about their souls. Probably half because girls are just actually maturing more quickly and half because culture asks way deeper questions of young women earlier than young men. And so he begins writing this script in the year 2014. One of the vloggers he stumbles across is Elsie Fisher. So he invites her to come and audition. There are a bunch of other choices that do come and audition for them, but the producers and him keep coming back to Elsie and eventually cast her in the lead role. Specifically, he casts her because she was the only one who felt like a shy kid pretending to be confident. Everyone else was a confident kid pretending to be shy. Sure. It's that theater camp thing again of like mm. being... <laughs> 
overconfident in your abilities. Fisher would go on to greatly influence the script, changing scenes slightly. The other kids cast also helped inform a sense of authenticity. Uh, this is the reason why the line who uses Facebook is in the movie, mostly because in the original script, it's Facebook that they're messaging each other yeah. on. And again, going back to that VidCon panel discussion, I remember him talking about that. He's like, this is when I started to feel old. This is Bo Burnham talking because it's like, uh, old man, nobody uses Facebook anymore. Why are, why are these kids using Facebook? So he changed the script to make it more authentic to what was actually the case. Mm -hmm. The whole film is shot in 27 days over the summer of 2017. It was independently financed. And I think that means that Burnham just used a lot of his own money to make this. Editing took a while. In fact, it only finished three days before premiered at Sundance. A24 moves in to help release the film into theaters. Because the MPAA rated this movie R oh, in the US. Interesting. In the US, this is rated R. Burnham gets a bit angry that the audience he thinks will resonate the most with it, you know, actual eighth graders, can't actually see it. So he makes this unprecedented decision to have free unrated screenings in every US state. Hmm. So he finds this that himself. I will say just as an aside, in Canada, this is only rated 14A. So 14-year-olds no. can go and see Why this Why is it movie. rated R? Who cares? Uh, in, the, in the States, because anything that deals with even a slight amount of sex immediately gets it. And there's probably some swearing that happens in this. I didn't like, count how many F-words are dropped. But. It's such a weird culture, eh? Extreme puritanical mm -hmm. thing, extreme violence. How do those two things correlate? You know? I don't know. They probably actually do, but... Yes, yeah. It would only get some awards buzz. Like it wins the audience favorite award at Sundance. Burnham would win best first feature from the Directors Guild. Elsie Fisher was nominated for a Golden Globe. Burnham wins best first screenplay at the Independent Spirit Awards. And Burnham would also win best screenplay at the Writers Guild. Um, but other than that, that's it. It gets released, does pretty good for an independent feature. And uh, now we're talking about it. Probably because Hollywood didn't like free screenings. They probably got blacklisted no, that from the major. <laughs> yeah, it's probably part of it. What, are you a fucking communist? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if, if you tried to do that in the 70s, you'd definitely go in the book. There's only two last things I wanted to just bring up. The one is, I think, maybe the most heartbreaking scene is her like confiding her dad. is like, oh, now I can't remember exactly how she phrases it. It's like, do you, are you um Oh, at the, at the fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did she say? Because he basically says, like, if I had a kid like me, I'd be disappointed yeah, in them. Yeah, it would make so me very sad would or be. something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of heartbreaking, her admission. But I also think that later on when she has her, like, complete breakdown after that scene in the car, I can see some people getting mad at this. I actually do like the fact that it's all in silence, that you don't actually hear what uh, the father and her are saying. Uh, wait, wait. So the at the fire, and he's consoling and talking about how... Mm -hmm. I mean, he has a good reflection on parenting, although I think it's a little deeper, but that's not Bo Burnham's fault because he's young. Uh, and then yeah. what happens at the end? So the, I think what's tied to that is she, she, she broaches that question at the fire, but I think he still doesn't understand like exactly what she is yeah. like struggling with. Okay. So after the scene in the car, she storms home, she like slams her door, whatever, and he's concerned. So he goes up the stairs yeah. into her room. But, but then that's the, before the, the fire. The fire. Oh, my scenes mixed yeah, up. Yeah, that's a, yeah. The fire's after that. That's why they go to the fire because after. That's right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, so some people want to hear how he approached her inner moment of trauma. Yeah, I was just saying. I like how it's it, the the sound drops out. I yeah, think it's I agree a nice with you. Artistic choice. Yeah, yeah, I I I thought that was a great 
idea. And I think that, yeah, I mean, people are so fucking voyeuristic. What, what more do you need? You need her to explain that she was almost sexually assaulted. She was sexually assaulted, but almost mm-hmm. uh, was physically harmed in the back of a fucking car by a teenager. And then it turns into John Wick and he yeah, goes and yeah. takes out this I need to book. like relive that. I, I just watched it. Like I need to hear her say it's fucking awful. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you're upset by that, critics, you're, you're a prick. The other part that I enjoy is her finally having her moment of telling off like the popular uh, in the girl hallway. in school. Yeah. Uh, mostly because it's like so inelegant. Mm. Like it's not a scripted like Hollywood like Yeah, she doesn't make eye a contact. A pretty woman yeah. moment, right? Yeah. Like this is like her stumbling over words but like repeating the same thing three or four times but she's finally standing up for herself. I think that's what the important part mm-hmm. of that scene is. It's like mm-hmm. I was being nice to you. I yeah. just being a jerk. So that game is off. really good. Yeah. Anyways, good scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's well crafted. I just uh, yeah. Just being a stick in the mud. Well, you know, I was telling yeah. Helen, this is why you invited me to take part in this movie podcast. If it was you and just some other uh, Bo Burnham stand, how boring would this episode be? It's just how else can I like jerk off on Mike though, Dave? Like, come on, <laughs> I could fap the hardest. Okay, that's gross. That's gross. It's disgusting. Have some dignity. We're done here. All right, so the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up here. So this is going to be Critics' Choice, the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. I'm going to talk about the positive review. This is from Clarice Logri from The Independent, and she writes in part, Burnham's film is built around the experiences society has taught us to brush off as insignificant, despite the fact they can actually become the things that define us, for better or worse. Kayla's dad wants only to be there for her, but since she refuses to believe she's worthy of love, the two end up clashing. That in itself is a tragedy compounded by the flashes of fear that interrupt Hamilton's otherwise gentle demeanor. These moments are given their true spotlight, underlined by Anna Meredith's clever score that makes a collection of synths sound as huge and sweeping as an orchestra. In fact, it's a little ironic that this film is being released in the UK in the same week as Avengers Endgame. Literally the most epic of imaginable releases. In eighth grade, having to walk out in your swimsuit at a middle school pool party is just as daunting as taking on supervillain Thanos himself. All right. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't don't know. Uh, I I don't disagree that you like this film, but wow. Um, The music's (laughs) shit. Vadim Rizov from Filmmaker Magazine. The premise of the film is that growing into your own skin and becoming who you are as an adult will solve all your internal emotional problems, which in my lived experience is simply not true. I know a ton of accomplished and talented people who are good in their fields and still riddled with all kinds of self-doubts and anxieties. Maturity is not a panacea. Do you say panacea? Panacea. Panacea is not a panacea for all that ails. Who gives a shit? It's not even English. <laughs> this is the, this is the kind of uh, reassuring warm hug that's actually a lie. Wow, Vadim, dude, as pernicious as one in any rom com. Ooh, this guy's really upset when he watched this. Got some yeah. daddy issues, I think. Vadim, I don't. Uh, I just don't agree with his uh, complaint. Not that you have to like the movie, but I just don't agree that she thinks everything is solved by the end of this movie. Like yeah, he thinks yeah. it is. One. One is too soft and one is too hard well, that's okay. right yeah sounds like my last date <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's a, that's a terrible sandwich yeah. Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant it's a good movie so i'll say it holds up <laughs> okay. uh, 
Cultural relevance hard because I don't well, know if people... This is the thing yeah. I wanted to point to. I'm going to say yes and yes to this question myself, but this is one of those things that is so of its time yeah. that in another decade, like it's going to feel so dated, well, I think. We have TikTok now and I've heard mm -hmm. people saying Instagram's over as well. And, yeah. You know, Facebook's I mean. not even in the conversation. It's literally no. now branded as... I actually watched this graph yeah. that in 2018, it was something like... I'm going to say like 40% of teenagers we're were still. using Facebook still. And now it's 20%. Like yeah. it's so fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Um, so so something that felt so vibrant and so, uh, uh, so like, like a, a modern moment. Yeah. Can, can feel very dated. I, again, that's not necessarily like, that's not immediately make something bad, but it does become something that's very dated. So it's yeah. not something I, I think is going to stand the test of time necessarily, but for the short term, it's a movie I enjoy. So there you go. <laughs> You could tell Kyle's going to give uh, us a very high score. Very yeah. defensive as we start. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, we need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback, just like Austin did, to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle Katie VSTM. Um, if you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our letterbox page. That's letterbox.com slash Katie VSTM. Let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave. What do you give eighth grade? Uh, I I think uh, I'm gonna go with a three and a half. I was thinking I was flirting Oof. with a four, but uh, I'll go with a three and a half. Yeah, I'm just Sir. too much on the outside of the bubble, pal. It's really well written, but this no distraction. You don't like you don't like teenagers. You don't like women. You don't like <laughs> well crafted teenagers, stories. I'll, accept, I'll accept teenagers. I will absolutely <laughs> accept teenagers. Women's a little rough. Women's a little rough. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was kind of a, an asshole direction to make yeah, a so point. <laughs> and God um, knows I hate social media. So uh, well, this is actually fascinating here, Dave. Because um, well, I should say my score first. Oh, my score is I'm giving it a very high four point five. Yep. I like this movie a lot. I think it's acted well. I think it's directed well. It is. I think it is uh, speaks to me on a spiritual level. Mm. I'll go that far. I think that's where it's. So I like it a lot. Me. Okay. Yeah. I like a. Uh, I like a. Uh, there's a few little minor criticisms that prevent it from being perfect for me. Mm. But there we go. Okay. That's an average to four. So Dave. That ties with three other films. Big one today. However, let's go up the list here. Do you think that this should go below or above Black Panther? I'll put it above Black Panther. Sure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So then would you put it above or below Mission Impossible Fallout? <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like the your first critic, right? It's like comparing this to Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, these are all gigantic blockbusters that we're oh, putting out shit. Uh, look, this is more intelligent and emotionally personal than Mission Impossible, but I would personally watch Mission Impossible before I watch this again. Well, this is the hard part because I think <laughs> of the Mission Impossibles, yeah. I've since learned that we are like a huge counter opinion because most people consider Fallout to be the best one oh. if you go online. And I don't think that. I think that there's a little bit, there's only a, a slight like thing that I would put eighth grade right above it. If this was Rogue Nation, mm -hmm. I'd be like, Rogue Nation, thousand percent. I'm going to put movie. that above. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. going to put it above What's eighth grade. What's the third one? But the last one uh. is Avengers Infinity War. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> wait wait was the first review wrong then why are they saying endgame did it come out later in the uk it came out later in uh, the okay, uk okay. it came out the next year uh so uh sorry clarice but you wrong you incorrect mm -hmm. um yeah I'm, that's a tough one i if you want to put it above mission impossible it's fine and you can make the argument it's more intelligent of course but i liked infinity war a lot so 
I do too. I think yeah. again, if we go to we go back to that question of uh, cultural relevance, I do think Infinity War does have the slight edge here. It's, a lo- <laughs> it's like the last grade. good Marvel movie. Right. in many respects also as long as you don't do a time heist you're fine this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna we're gonna enter the list at the new number eight position hmm. eighth grade going to the eighth position imagine that right above mission impossible fallout but below avengers infinity war thus proving that we should not be critics <laughs> that's where we are actually this is, i think i think this is why we're such good critics because we don't need to lean either way we can throw this mm-hmm. shit together and it's not supposed to make sense. These are all such right. weird movies. Yeah. Nobody cares about you two and we all die alone. Dave, we should probably announce too that the next few months of our podcast are going to look very, very different. Because uh, okay. as we've kind of been mentioning in our breakdowns each week, our mental breakdowns each week, <laughs> um, it's getting harder and harder to do this as yeah. a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. I think we need to announce that uh, going forward, um, A, we're probably going to skip a few weeks and B... Uh, some episodes that we might just like combine movies. I think we'll have to do that together. Yeah. So I don't know how many episodes are going to last to the end of the year yeah. where we uh, wrap things up, but uh, th- it's this is no longer going to be like every week we're going to release something new. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you should probably lead with that. But uh, although the only people who will care are the people that are actually still listening right now, mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that a fact? Mm-hmm. I suppose ironically, my contract jobs are going to be up. And in like a month, all of a sudden I have nothing to do again. So we'll see how that goes. But good. I need a, I need to pull back. I just really wanted to get to this 200th episode. So that means I'm going to push this button here. Um, and it just says the machine just printed out um, horror films. Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Horror films. So I think maybe at the beginning of October, we'll talk about two, possibly three of these uh, horror films that we were going to watch in the Blah. first place. No, gross. Also, uh, as Kyle knows, I have to fucking rent them. So I have to actually give these production companies my money to watch these. Your moolah. Disgusting. Okay. Now, uh, you're going to sit on the little bench over here, Dave, and you're going to look kind of like at a 45 degree up and uh, I'm just going to push the shutter here. Wait, 45 degrees? You didn't look straight at the camera like a mugshot? You guys have some artistic. I I think we always like looked off. Yeah, you have some artistic. I want to see your kitty pictures. Those are like... Very artistic. Did you like put your hand on your chin? Like hold a rose or something? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> With my well, beret that I had to put on. Yeah. yeah. When I grew up, it was just going to like sit down, look at the camera. Okay. Next. Let's Enjoy see. it. Similarly, you both are played by actors in their 60s.